Hello and welcome back everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Retro Game Explorers. My name is Bovine Divine. I'm joined by the rest of the team. Brunch, how are you doing today? Doing well, Bovine. How's it going? Not too bad. Doing okay. How about yourself, Futzvogel? Couldn't be any better. Sounds excellent. And of course, none other than Pete Dorr, our team leader. How are you doing, sir? What's What's this podcast again? <laughs> 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 no, it's good to be back. Hello, everybody. We got everyone on board. Thanks to everyone for making the time to show up. We're, again, apologize for the extreme delay between the episodes. We will try to do our best to keep this on an ongoing, consistent basis, but you know how that goes, so we'll be talking to you. We'll, we'll see all you fine folks again in a year, but we'll see. We'll see how this turns out. But again, hopefully everyone is doing well, and uh, we can just jump right into it. What are we doing, folks? How are we, how are we handling this uh, time period right i know that we all have a lot of free time on our hands we're got we got a lot of time to take care of the to jump into the backlog and play some games so how has everyone been handling it so far i think Vogel's been uh (laughs) hoarding some turnips perhaps (laughs) um i'm doing 240 hours into animal crossing well so (laughs) That's just and me. out of how many possible hours? I mean, the the two forty hours is one is one you know measure of how addictive it's, Animal um, Crossing is. But you gotta give me the second number compared, out of how many potential compared to hours. New Leaf uh, on the Nintendo 3DS. I played that game for about a year, and I've got about two hundred and forty hours as well. So compare one year to one month of <laughs> game playing, and you get the idea. Wow. <laughs> It's a shame because I was really getting into Animal Crossing. You know, I haven't played one since City Folk on the Wii, and that one wasn't really my thing. And I was really getting into this one, and then once I found out how turnips work in that game, it unfortunately kind of killed it for me because the thing I was really liking about Animal Crossing was waking up, catching some fish, catching some bugs at night, hoarding the butterflies, you know, working hard to make my money. It felt good. The progression felt good in that game. But then the second that I found out that all you have to do is just get a good lump sum of money, buy a bunch of turnips, and then, you know, just sell them every week, the amount of money you get from that is so staggering that it kind of just makes everything else obsolete. And that really killed my momentum and enjoyment of the game. And I know some people are really into turnips, but the idea of, like, having to get on Reddit or contact friends and worry about checking twice a day and not missing a turnip price, and, like, it was just too much for me to handle and some people would say yeah just ignore the turnips part of that game you know just play how you want i can't just knowing that turnips exist and i can you know just make so much money from it without having to do the daily grind just kind of killed my interest in the game and it's really a shame and of course for everyone out there who doesn't understand and you know we have not moved on to vegetable economics for the subject matter (laughs) of this podcast we are talking about the new release of animal crossing which uh again what is it called it's animal crossing new horizons New Horizons. So obviously, you know, for I know Futsvogel, Pete, you guys are pretty big Animal Crossing fans. I mean, personally, myself, I've not played a real proper game of Animal Crossing. It was something where I was excited for the first, I, the first version for me. Um, I remember reading about it, and looking into it, and knowing that it was going to be coming out on the GameCube at the time that you know I had a GameCube. And I've told this story before, but basically, the only reason I've not played any Animal Crossing game is because when I bought the game for the GameCube, I bought a day one. I even have the the version where they gave you a, like a little memory card with a sticker pre-applied to it for Animal Crossing. I was completely looking forward to kind of diving into whatever this experience was going to be for this game. 
and I know that I bought it. I, I may have booted it up. I can't even guarantee I booted it up. All I know is that I remember I my brother, my little brother and little sister, they were they they wanted to borrow my GameCube, like pretty much right around that time that Animal Crossing had come out. And, and at the time they borrowed it, I gave them all my games. Animal Crossing went out with them. I never I didn't see my GameCube again for like two years. And when it came back, my memory card was completely full and you know there was all these <laughs> all this, there was all this data on there and there was no way I could start a new game. And again, it, it had been two years past at that point, so I figured why even bother starting now? So that was my my only experience with Animal Crossing. I mean, I have the game. I have like the 3DS version, I believe. I think there's a DS version now. But the really, really, honestly, the only version I played was that mobile version that they had released, what, about a year ago or so or six mm-hmm. months ago. Then that was my first take to try to just kind of jump in and figure out what the game was about. So personally for me, like I, I don't have I have no idea what you guys are talking about in terms of radishes, turnips and beets or whatever <laughs> you guys are talking about. So, I mean, anyone, I mean, Brunch, I know that you had you previously played animal crossing are you jumping into this madness with everyone at the same time right now i had purchased city folk for the wii uh when it had first come out for the wii and i had never played the gamecube version i had a gamecube just didn't buy that particular uh, title for whatever reason and i'll be honest i played maybe two hours of it and i just couldn't understand what the game was about like it it just eluded me I, i didn't get it it wasn't for me and and I, I don't think I ever booted it up after that first initial two-hour play. And and then years went by and people were talking about this game and how much they loved it. And I just no one ever explained to me what it was about. And then when this game came out, I know Foots was a big, a big like, loving it. And I saw Pete play a little bit of it as well. I was trying to stay blind on it because I, I actually, on Twitter, I've seen people really far in the game. And so I realized that you can be spoiled to a degree on what's to come. So I've kind of like not looked at anything. And I just asked everyone, like, why do you like this game? What is it about this game? And I forget Foots' wording on it, but she it, basically it's make your you make your own game out of the game. You know, you make your own objectives and what you want to accomplish. And that sounded really good. And especially, you know, with all this time we have in our hands, I figured like this is the time to give it a whirl. And and I figured I would just forget everything I knew about Animal Crossing and play it with a fresh set of eyes because it's been I don't know how many. When did that game come out? Two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I can't remember. Um, and so it's been like 10 years. So I, I did it and I'm, I'm loving it, but it's a moderation game. This is not a game I can play for more than an hour, an hour and a half. I feel like once I've done everything I can do, it's kind of done. And I'll be honest, I haven't logged in in the past week because there's just so much to do. Well, they, they had the, uh, the bunny day, uh, oh, bunny quest. day is terrible. That also I, killed my interest in it. I just, yeah, I just, I, that, that for me as well, it's, it's like, here's all this new stuff. The game just came out. You just got it. But here's a whole bunch of other things you need to find, make, collect. And then it also, it robbed me of my resources. I was so frustrated. I'm like, I want, I want my freaking clay. I want my, my, uh, my stone. I want, and it kept giving me eggs instead. I'm like, what is this nonsense? So I feel yes. like they maybe need to balance that stuff out. Um, and I haven't, and actually I've been trying to get turnips every Sunday. And I keep forgetting to log in. And I think it's, I, 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 I appreciate the real time aspect of it. But for someone who can't log in between whatever is 4 a.m. and 12 noon in their time zone, I feel like it's really kind of shutting off a really large potential population of people who might enjoy this game more. And I just realized that there are some things you can't even get during nighttime hours. And I was playing it primarily at nighttime. So I think that kind of also has kind of hindered my enjoyment of the game. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to change that. But in terms of the turnip thing, I was going to ask you, Pete, what do you think they could do to patch the game to make you come back given that turnips seem to be so overpower, overpower 
full in terms of you know lack of motivation since that's kind of like a, a almost a cheat in the in the game is there it's, anything they can do it's part of the economy i mean the thing is it's very peculiar to me right like a lot of people are really into this turnip thing and i get it it's cool but don't forget in the past in animal crossing it was u- usually relegated to just like your actual friends when people would do turnip trading and i'm not an animal crossing expert and i'm sure Fitzvogel will touch upon this but you know back in the the, the 3ds version um, you had to, you know, you just had a small, close group of friends that would get together and maybe trade items or come to towns and sell turnips. But now it's like, if you're just trying to sell turnips in your own town, the chances of getting a high... So here's how it works for people that don't know. Every Sunday before 12 p.m. Eastern, like real time, you can meet an NPC and you spend all your money. Not all of it, but you can pretty much spend as much as you want to buy turnips. It's like the stock market, which is why they call it the stock market and this is like a play and you you purchase turnips and then every day until next sunday once before 12 p.m noon and then you know once before uh this the shop closes at 10 p.m you can go to the shop and they'll be like we'll offer you this amount of money for your turnips today and the npc that you buy them from let's just say that she offers them one day for 95 and uh, you kind of have to take a gamble. Do I want to buy them for 95? Do I want to check a friend's village to buy it cheaper? Essentially, you just you buy in to buying a bunch of turnips, which you then have to store. And then it's up to you to decide, do I want to sell on my island where they're offering me, you know, instead of 95, they're offering 112 today. The next day, they might only offer 70. Um, but what people are doing is they're going on Reddit. They're going on message boards. They're going on special websites. And people that end up very rarely, some people will get, you know, turnip prices of five six hundred turn uh bells they join a virtual waiting list and people Ugh. will spend all day waiting in a virtual line to get invited to this person's island wow. for the chance of selling and we're talking like i was i was looking at reddit and people would be like oh my town's offering 565 bells you know and then within five minutes that thing has a list of like 100 200 people saying invite me invite me i'm like i can't deal with this i can't do it (laughs) and it's hard to ignore it right because the money that you would get is like millions of bells you know how long it would take to make millions of bells in this game without the use of turnips forever so it's so hard to ignore so maybe Futsvol can kind of touch upon her experience (laughs) i'm just wapping my hands (laughs) (laughs) i mean the thing is as Wunsch already mentioned um you can play this game in so many different ways i have a very good friend she got the game basically day one as well but she hasn't got the online um she hasn't played for online, so she can't play online with me. So she's stuck with her own turnip prices and her own items, and she can't do any trading, she can't do any of that. So her experience is completely different to my experience. Uh, like the first day I got the game, basically I was already online and playing with speed and having everyone over on my island and everything. So there's like different ways. First of all, are you playing online or not? Now... Concerning the turnips, it's a feature Nintendo will never get rid of. Uh, I started Animal Crossing very late. I started with New Leaf and online was already very heavy. Different than nowadays, but it was already, we were already on message boards and like dedicated pages like, hey, I'm online. Do we have this? Can I have this food? Can we trade? It was already a thing. And from what I understand on the DS version, 
It was already a thing as well. So it's like a feature Nintendo will never get rid of. Now, Nintendo is aware of all the cheating that is going on, and they have been doing patches where you get less interest. Because if you time travel and you save up money, you get a lot of interest on your saved up money. Now, if you play normally, this wouldn't be even a question, but if people are going, I don't know how many years into the future, they rack up a lot of money. So they have been patching this down but the turnip thing because everyone is so interconnected nowadays and everyone is so into this turnip economy they can't get rid of it now bells in this game are basically and i want to say useless because yes you do have your credit you do want to pay off your debt etc but at some point you have your house paid off you have all your um constructions and spoil, your spoiler alert done <laughs> after you are done like what do you what do you have this is where in this version the new uh nook miles tickets come in which are way more worth than just bells just one ticket go for about 100k if not even more as we're talking like those tickets are worth a lot of money because you can't cheat on them anymore you could cheat on them at the beginning in the first few days of the game where people were duplicating items and also look my tickets but they have patched it out and once you get online and you patch your game you can't go back unless you want your save file to be gone which nobody basically wants <laughs> so it seems like such an odd thing though because you know you look at a game where animal crossing you know there's this new iteration that's out and obviously you know some type of online functionality must be present in kind of like a modern game these days and to take an established fr franchise like that you want to expand upon something like online functionality but this whole thing you're talking about pete about you know reddit kind of jumping ahead of the mechanics of the game and everyone kind of getting on board and getting ahead of something like that and turning a feature that normally was probably vetted out to be something that would have grown organically and kind of happened on its own you get this huge segment of this population that kind of I'm not saying it's breaking or, or cheating at the game, but essentially it sounds like from what you guys are describing to me, because I still don't have any idea what the hell you guys are talking about with these vegetables. But at the same time, it seems like something like that. How do you, you know, how do you think these game developers handle something like that, where you're trying to create this innovative new online aspect of your game yet? avoid getting it broken entirely by something like this virtual reddit queuing system i mean i imagine that is not how they intended for patches. this process to go is that correct or patches they just patch everything out uh so for example with the interest uh the uh um the exploit where you can duplicate items they patched everything out and also because it's the first year every single event like easter uh halloween uh christmas they give you these events as a patch so you can't time travel forward to already experience all of that and like maybe spoil it for other people like you have to wait until nintendo gives the okay to say hey let's celebrate halloween everyone you can't cheat on that but it has always been a feature in animal crossing games like people have always time traveled and tried to duplicate items and try to it has always been a feature and it was something it's people are always going to find an exploit and how to make the most bells and how to make the most Nook Mile tickets and everything, but they try to smoothen it out with Nook Mile's tickets. Um, it's a new feature in this version of Animal Crossing where you get to do daily tasks. So for people who don't know what to do in such a big game, like, where do you start? What do I do? Like, 
you have like tiny little tasks you do just like in a mobile game where you feel good about yourself and you get tickets which allow you to do more fun stuff like visit a new island to get more resources and but is it one of those things yeah. Is it one of those things, though, where the, your enjoyment of the game and, you know, Pete has talked about this a lot on stream. We're talking about, you know, we talk about new games that come out, modern releases. And if it has an online component of it, if you're not part of that initial wave, right, where you establish yourself and you learn all the ins and outs of whatever online uh, features they have, you know, you kind of fall by the wayside. Is this something where you can't buy you can't buy the game, you know, six months later to get no. into it and kind of go at your own pace? Like, are you already out of the turnip game or whatever no. is happening? You can you can this buy game? this. You, you can even go nowadays, go and get New Leaf and play it on your 3DS online, which is still online, by the way. Uh, it doesn't kill the game. The only issue is when you're a newcomer nowadays and you go online, you will get spoiled. You will see new items which you haven't seen before. Everyone's going to throw you money and new items and everything. You're going to get spoiled. So it's best. It will never be a game where you feel left out. It's just a thing where you have to play a little bit on your own to get a feel of the game. To like, you know, once you feel like I've done everything there was to do, then you go online. Because once you're online, like, you will get spoiled rotten by everyone else who's already like end game based. And think of it this way. Let's just say you've been playing offline for a month or two and you're like, all right, it's time to jump online. Let's experience this. And you work so hard to make the money that you made and whatnot. And then you jump online and you got these friends that have been using these exploits and money to them is no issue. And they just, you visit their island and they're like, here you go. Here's three million bells. And you're like, what the heck? It took me it took me a month to make, you know, just I don't know, it took me a couple of weeks to make just 1 million, for example. Doesn't that kind of ruin the experience for you? And to me that's kind of what the turnips did. For me the the best thing that Nintendo could have done, which obviously they're not going to do cuz they'd be outraged, is if you couldn't uh buy and sell turnips at friends villages or, or islands because then you'd have to wake up and it would be exciting right waking up in the morning and seeing what your turnip prices are and there would be there would sort of be um a thrill in it because right now if if things are you know looking down and it's like you only got one day left before your turnips are dead and you're going to lose all the money that you invested you can just hit up some friends and be like listen let me just come to your island and I'll sell them off there because Wait, your price is better turnips than mine. turnips expire i didn't realize that i still have not they gotten expire a turnip on yet. sunday yeah oh so if you buy gosh. them on sunday uh, you have to sell them by saturday yeah, See, Brunch, you're already following, you're already following behind That's the fine. Uh, turnip no, no, game, I'm man. Totally fine with that. But no, I, I mean, I don't know what I don't know, but I, I'm okay with not playing it online. I am actually a okay with just me being on my one island and not having to coordinate anything. And so, while I, I am also angered as Pete is about this, these exploits, it's kind of like when I, I, I was streaming Neverwinter on uh, Xbox for a little bit, and people would come to me and they'd give me all this high-powered gear, and mm. it's kind of you don't want to be like, sorry, sir, but I, I really appreciate it, but get the hell out of here. I don't want this. You kind of have mm. to take it. And once you have it, it's really hard not to use it. And, and it really annoyed me because I'm like, I, I, I'm years you away from this. You want to work for it. You know, Exa- you want to exactly. feel that satisfaction. Exactly. Same thing with Animal Crossing. You, exactly. You're doing your best brunch by staying offline. Trust me. You'll have way more fun that way. Yeah. But then what is the fun, right? I mean, if, if if you don't, if you basically play Animal Crossing, this new version in an offline state, and you kind of just trying to say, hey, you know, I'm just going to avoid all these online features. Like, is that even possible to still enjoy? I mean, the game, I know, is essentially still an offline single player experience that you can have, right? Like, the online is completely optional. It's not necessary. So, in theory, you could just play it offline and enjoy everything the way it's intended and not be tainted or spoiled by it. I mean, of course, you're missing this whole feature about, like you guys were talking about earlier, joining other people's islands, your friends' islands, and that's obviously a big component of 
of what you would want to do. So I, I don't know. To me, like the way the more I watch streams, the more I'm listening to you guys talking about it. Like it's I'm, I'm even less likely to want to try it now. It just sounds like this experience is so experimental in the way that the game is played. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, like to me, the game sounds like a chore. It like, sounds like something where I don't want to be able to like be beholden to some schedule like that, where it's like, oh, I got to wake up at X time to play this game optimally, or I need to, you know, I, like really, it sounds like work to me at that the, point. The final so, nail in the coffin for me was two weeks ago, whenever it was, when I forgot to sell my turnips in time, and I put all of my money. I, oh, at the no. time, I had like seven hundred thousand bells, eight hundred thousand bells. I put all of my money into my turnips and I forgot about them, so they all expired. <laughs> so I have nothing now. I'm like, yep, yeah, I think wow. I'm done for now. <laughs> uh, I gotta go back into it. Now, the thing is, like, the best experience, of course, would be first, you start off offline, you get, you know, you have your fun, you relax, etc. When you feel the need to get more cute furniture and trade stuff with your friends then you can go online so that way it doesn't ruin the experience because I started going online very early now you have so many different platforms now you have your platform for turnips exchange which is basically called that you just go on see what other turnips prices are in other towns and just go and visit someone else and exchange for i don't know items now wait have you tried this Fitzvogel? like how long do you usually have to wait if you visit a stranger's island that has a good turnip price i haven't done it yet i haven't done like the heavy hitter ones like my the best price i had was like 380 and i was like oh my god guys everyone come in it's like party time (laughs) and everyone is like whatever and then you go into twitter and reddit and that website and everyone has like 500 600 uh, bells per turn it's like oh oh okay i'm just a pleb (laughs) before we move away from animal crossing though you have to briefly tell the story about like that person that came to your village and stole all your stuff (gasps) that was not the only person oh my goodness stage one boss did that okay the the issue is like animal crossing for me doing this phase has been just a blessing it has been a just a blessing yes i work from home but you can't work from home like you usually do so yes i spend a lot of time on animal crossing and i'm not the only one everyone is just online and trading and hitting up people on discord and i want to trade this and that so i discovered nukazon nukazon is like the amazon but with Tom Nook. So you can go on there, you see an item, you pay whatever, you pay in bells, you pay in tickets, you trade recipes, you trade items. And that's basically all I did, like all I do, like all day long. So uh, sometimes, like most of the time, people are very chill about it, you know, very, very friendly and very kind and loving. But some people, man, like everyone is like, memeing about Tom Nook, how it's like capitalistic and so mean and always, you know, asking for money. Like, there are people, they are worse than Tom Nook, I swear. So I tried to do like this exchange thing, like just have like an entire floor covered with items I don't even need. Have people come in, have them look at the items and have them put items as well they don't need or they want to you know, share. Like a swap swap meet. Exactly. So I had people coming in. I I put up like posts on discords and on the websites like, guys, you know, this is how it works. Bring at least one item, put it down. 
and you know have fun guys all right so i put out all my like not the best items but like you know you want to put out all the cute stuff everyone wants and you know after like trading you know what is asked like some recipe items especially you can't even buy them you have to know someone who can craft this item which is a completely new feature in this animal crossing game and which makes it more interesting to go online because otherwise you wouldn't get these items so i had people coming in i was like okay they they understand the rules so first of all the online is very slow like until everyone comes in like it's already five minutes like all you do is just wait for the waiting screen and then people came in like i had one she was putting down items she bought uh she picked up all my items so she was cataloging them for her because once you pick up an item and you just I don't know, you sell it off or you give it away, you can order it later. It's catalogued now. So she picked up all my items, catalogued everything, and then went back to her items she just bought in, took them, and just left. <laughs> that was the first one. Other people, they just like, there was like a bunch, like three or four or five at a time. Like, they came in, they looked at every, all the good stuff, and you know, they dropped all their cute items, and some people just snatched them up. I was like, dude! This is my island. Like, let me just pick it up, man. So basically, you turned your island into a free-for-all trading exactly, place with no trading. Exactly. People came in. They didn't even leave an item. They were just like, hey, this is free stuff, man. I take everything I can carry and I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and then you have to watch them leave with the animation that so, takes like a minute. So what, so and your characters are waving you? goodbye as they leave. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, what you method did you have to police this, like, this, this crazy myth? Like, could you even? You can't, right? Isn't that you the whole point? There's no can't. way to get now, this, this is now this is not everyone is like this okay please i don't want to deter anyone it's still fun people are still friendly but there are so some those islands got barricades everywhere now it's got like cannons at no, the ready no, trying some to islands are like that like sometimes when you go in like they have like a little stall and you can't go further like you're blocked at the entrance and you can leave like two <laughs> items at the store which takes like forever basically but some people like, are like blocking off everything already i'm like oh they had some bad experience and even today Sounds like jail i was like uh <laughs> there was a villager who was crafting and i was like hey guys like come in you know leave a donation please like just out of it's just a gesture please just leave an apple that's so basically you were expecting human decency in yes. a video game yeah an online but connected video game some people, especially like some, most of them are cool. But there was like one today, she came in, she didn't leave anything. So I was like already a little, uh, I was, she was under my eyes. Okay. So I just, after a while, like, especially when they see you're not moving, you're like uh, away from the computer or the switch, like that, it's a free one for them. If they see you're not watching them, like it, it, it everything goes. Sometimes I just oh put down gosh. my controller and pretend I'm not on the console and just watch. It's like psychology one-on-one basically. <laughs> so there's this one person, like she was like, oh, she's not responding. Okay. I'm not leaving anything. And I was like, okay, before you leave girl, like hold on a second. So I just went after her after her character her <laughs> pc <laughs> and then after a while she was like okay she left me like i don't know some bells and then she left because she got the idea basically that i was onto her Jeez. and i noticed but it's funny it's funny man it's it's highly entertaining for me for me it's like social interaction that's all i'm getting nowadays basically uh you meet all kinds of people some very passionate people and very friendly people and some, some celebrities really, 
sometimes. Are you aware of Elijah Wood? Hmm? Are you aware of Elijah yeah. Wood oh, visiting people's islands? Oh, <laughs> and yeah. And he's so courteous. He, th- there was, was this thing I saw on Twitter. He he visited some girl's island and he was like, Photonaps. May I pick your fruits, please? And he's like, Oh, your, your island's so beautiful and everything. And it was really him. Yeah. It was really <laughs> cute. But the thing is, like, all the memes that came off it was like just as amazing because everyone knows, like, he was after that high turn up price, basically. Like, Frodo's was coming funny. to steal your stuff yeah, or whatever. <laughs> She was like just for the uh, just for the stonks market, basically. I mean, <laughs> but it was on one hand, it's it. such a it's such a fascinating thing. Like this game within a game, like this inner meta of Animal Crossing. I, again, I, I'm only like looking at it from a very very high level, so I can barely understand what's happening. Like, and again, it's one of those things where oh, maybe it's a game I would like to play at some point. So it's kind of like I'm still doing the avoid the spoilers thing. But I don't know. This this whole thing just sounds like I, I always look. I'm fascinated to know if Nintendo designed the game like this. You know, knowing that about all these possible outcomes and how they're going to design. Like, it's, it's, it's interesting to me to, to see them as a dev trying to adapt around this environment that they built that's kind of pseudo online, offline, and it's got, I don't know, I think it's a cool experience, so I think that's, uh, it's, it's a cool thing. So, I mean, and, and in this time, you know, this we're talking about these sandbox games, and right now it seems like, you know, Animal Crossing came out at the perfect time to be this kind of game within a game sandbox game, but are there any other, you know, it's weird, Brunch, you mentioned, because, I mean, just by saying sandbox games, I was thinking about, like, so many other ones, like, the, you, like how you said this was the first time you're playing a game that's, you know, a game where you make your own goals, but does that mean you have not played any previous, like, sandbox games like that, like, say, Sims or, you know, a- any of those, any of those type of games? Not really. I mean, I played The Sims 1 when it was, you know, new and interesting, and I played that for about as long as I could tolerate it. You know, I, I'm not as dedicated to those games. Once I get to a certain point, I kind of lose interest and go find the next thing. Uh, other than that, I think the, the most sandboxy game that I found my own game in was probably World of Warcraft. I really liked the economy in that, where I could, you know, make, you know harm, uh, farm certain items to make armor and gear and then sell it on the auction house and then try to mm. game what was currently trending as the most in demand item and then make that so that was kind of that's kind of like the most sandboxy type game that i played where i came up with my own objective i would say that it's 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 a rare thing but uh i'd say that's that's probably the extent of my sandboxing uh sandboxing endeavors it sounds like the way Pete played Final Fantasy XI for several years. <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> thinking about that when he was right? talking about it. Yeah, eleven <laughs> for me also, a lot of the enjoyment I got was ch- you know, checking out the auction house, seeing what items were, were worth a lot of money, and then you know, spending mm. a whole day pretty much doing work. You know, I would farm <laughs> items. <laughs> just killing the so same monsters weird. over and over. But the satisfaction you would get from the money you make was just, it felt so satisfying. I mean, that's how I play Animal Crossing, basically. Like, you have this rare recipe not many people have, and you can create an item no one else can, and you make your own prices. And that's how I play. I craft, I gather materials, and then I just go haywire and get all those bells. Hmm. It's crazy. I I don't know. So I mean, and, and you know, obviously, uh, even out talking outside of these sandbox games, is anyone taking this time to really dig into anything they've been putting? You know, the, uh, as you go through and you collect games, you buy games, and you know, with with all the games we have access to, you know, you, you put things aside. There's always this this there's always this mysterious backlog of games. But is there is there are you taking this time to actually jump into something that you've been putting off to the side, putting on the back burner to actually take the time to jump into it and dive into it now that there is some extra time available in everyone's hands there's definitely a game that comes to mind that i've uh i started as a kid 
I did not get very far in it because I, I, I was a kid and I'm still an adult who refuses to get a guide no matter how impossible the game may seem. And that game for me was uh, Link's Awakening for the Game Boy. And uh, I don't think I got, I don't even think I found the third dungeon. And now that I've replayed it, I understand why. I think the third dungeon's the one, I don't even remember. I don't even remember the name. <laughs> but anyway, um, that game is so obscure to me and I don't know what it is. It's just, it. I think it leaves way too much to the player where it's not as hand-holdy and in some games and some parts of some games that's great I really like where the game is not trying to hold your hand and you know have a, a, a blatant arrow on the screen pointing where you need to go next but I think there's a few places in that game that that kind of left me hanging especially at the very end so I'm really glad that I finally forced myself to play it and get through it but I can say that I know that I'm going to break a lot of hearts, including bovines, that it is not better than Link to the Past. No matter how you want to argue it about the pacing or the characters or the love the developers had when they crafted this thing so meticulously in every you know, area imaginable. And I'll admit, it's a great game. But I think, I think it's assumption that the player is going to do certain things. At certain points, I think they really took too many liberties in making those assumptions. And it's I'm, so weird, though, too, because obviously you're a huge link to the past. Right? Oh I mean, it's God. like one of your top that, yeah, games I love of all time. Game. Favorite for myself, it is, game. Yeah, and for myself, it's the same way. I love Link to the Past. And to me at that time, playing Link's Awakening, um, you know, in that era, having played through, and I'm try- I, I actually can't remember if I played it before or after. I'm assuming it was after because I believe Link's Awakening came out after Link yeah, to the did. Past, if I never hear it. So yeah. it was such a strange thing to me watching you play it on stream, you know, knowing that you're a huge fan of Link to the Past. And I was a kind of, and it's not, I'm sitting here saying, oh, I was disappointed that you hated it. That, that's not here nor there. But I was, I was looking forward to you getting that same level of enjoyment out of a game series that you know you have this affinity for and i was just trying to put my finger on why it is you were having these frustrations with links because to me i thought links awakening was always laid out like you know i i was i always thought in my head the way i played it and the way it was laid out that it made so much more sense and that you were actually there was less wandering around and that the goals were fairly direct in front of you so that you were kind of moving from spot to spot in links awakening and i kept trying to as i was watching you stream and i was trying to nail down like why one why because you can tell when you're frustrated and you know trust me your idea of not wanting to use guides not wanting to use anything to help you along walkthroughs it's always one of the things I look forward to in, in most people's streams. Like I'm looking for blind, a true blind playthrough where you're only assisted by maybe the manual. And this whole thing about locking yourself out of any information to get through like a hurdle or a roadblock when you run into it. Like I feel I'm always of the opinion that these blind games, especially of loved games or games that you're looking forward to playing for some time. Like, I don't know. On one hand, it's, it's interesting to see people stream them blind and go through experience. But on the other hand, I still feel there is this pressure right as you're streaming it and you're trying to enjoy the game and you're trying to have this experience shared with people who are watching i feel that may and you tell me if i'm wrong here but i feel that that pressure makes you play the game in a different way to the point where like the frustration sets in because you feel like you're not making progress and then like you know you're not being entertaining you're not boring people like i always feel that's why it's kind of a detriment in some ways to stream certain games. Not saying all games, of course, but games maybe you've been looking forward to for a long period of time and streaming them. You feel like this thing you have to make progress. I mean, how do you, how do you, 
what do you think about that versus that was that something that got in the way or do you think it was literally just the game the way it was designed and set up i think what you're describing is 100 percent a factor i think for anybody who plays a game to different degrees and i'm sure pete has a different degree than bovine has than defoots has than do you have and i will say that my degree of awareness of that fact was very very high when i first started streaming and i was worried you know oh i'm not progressing enough i'm not a good enough game player i'm not figuring that this out quick enough and also a lot of it is also to avoid having people tell me what it is you know some people get frustrated it's like just just do this thing it's easy it's right there so that's part of where it comes from but i think now i'm less aware of that feeling it doesn't bother me as much i will say that when I'm really stuck on an issue, it does become apparent to me that, man, this is getting... If I was watching this, I would have clicked off long ago. Um, but <laughs> Unless I, I you feed on people's anger and frustration. Oh, exactly. <laughs> See, that's yeah. you gotta do Got what the Pete popcorn does, yeah. ready. <laughs> that's, For that's some reason, true. Pete, you have like the perfect way of dealing with that. I know that over the years, you know, we talked about this about... like Questions have been asked about spoilers and streams and how you handle blind plays. Like, you have this very very good way of approaching it like i mean you just don't i mean you really essentially you don't care you don't care how chat's gonna not saying you don't care about chat obviously but <laughs> you don't care about that experience like you still have a way of kind of narrowing or like putting the blinders on and still kind of sitting there focusing in, in as if you're just playing there standalone by yourself without anyone watching how honestly is that? Is sometimes what i do like i'm sure i'll get into it a little bit later but for like when it comes to spoiler territory Lately, what I've been doing is if I know I'm getting into an area where chat's going to be biting at the heels to spoil it or backseat, sometimes I just got to turn the, turn the blinders on the chat and just not read it because even like loyal viewers that you would trust, like sometimes you'll just catch a little thing where they're very general, but that one general hint ruins it for you. So, you know, when I was getting towards the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake, I pretty much just stopped almost reading chat exclusively for the, the last two hours of that game because people people were getting into that spoiler territory in terms of like story spoilers. And I'm like, I just, I'm not going to ruin my experience. If I want to stay blind on this, I'm going to stay blind on it. So I think whenever you get to a section in a game where you feel like chat's about to start backseating pretty hardcore, just ignore it and do your best. Actually, here, here's what I do. You know, I, or what you could try doing too is um, move your chat box down so that way, any new chat that pops up is cut off by your monitor, and then kind of just ask your mods to moderate any spoilers. So that way, even if they're a little slow on it, by the time it gets up to where you would actually see it, it's already been moderated. Hmm. That's actually that's a really good strategy. Good. That's, really that's what I did. Actually, that's what I did towards the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake. I moved my chat box down, so that way the first like five, six, seven lines of chat, I couldn't see, period, because as a you know, and a channel moderator for my own channel, obviously, it's going to show every message no matter what. So I was relying on my mods to catch any spoilers and, and time them out before I would even see them. Because I normally when I'm streaming, I'm looking at chat constantly. So if someone posts something, I see, if I see my chat box move up, my eye immediately goes right to my chat. And I've seen quite a lot of spoilers over the years because of that. Um, so this is sort of a nice little way to, to cheat the system. Yeah, you're kind of like wow. creating your own I, slow mode, actually, which is really, exactly. really smart. Yeah. Without actually making a slow mode for chat. Yeah, which I mean, is really good. It's such an odd push-pull thing as streamers, right? Obviously, you know, 
a lot of people want to see like the big games or games they're familiar with. And, you know, let's talk about if you talk about a game that, like a very well-loved game, like someone if someone were playing, and I'll just bring this up because I know two of you streamed this, but Metal Gear Solid, right? Like one of my favorite games of all time for the PlayStation. And I know that Pete, you did a blind playthrough of it right after, you know, years and years of people begging and asking you to play Metal Gear Solid. Like you, that experience to me, I feel like I watched the majority of when you streamed that and like the spoilers were like, you're, they were coming in so fast. Yeah, and it's people... not even like specific spoilers. The thing that really bothered me is when people would be like, oh, here it comes, or yeah, like just general comments that. like telling me that something big is about yeah. to happen, yeah, or say when it... mm-hmm. exactly, and like, or a certain character appears on screen and they start using certain emotes that sort of alludes to what might happen to that character. It's like, for real people, don't, you got to realize that even just general things such as, oh, I, he's almost there, you know, the next room, it's like, and, and of course the, the like just full on spoilers regarding certain bosses that were kind of ruined for me. Um, yeah, it was unfortunate, but you know, I don't think I would ever play Metal Gear Solid off stream anyway. So it's sort of like, well, that's my experience. There's nothing I can do about it. There is something to be said. It is fun to play a game like that, even if it is slightly spoiled with chat and like kind of sharing your experiences with them. And it's kind of like a weird conditioning where these days I feel re- I, I, it's a weird feeling. I feel so weird and strange whenever I play a game off off stream. <laughs> I just don't, you know, because I stream everything I play. I just exactly. haven't. I've rarely had moments where I'm playing a game off stream kind of just to myself. So it, it feels like something is missing if I'm streaming a game off offline. <laughs> so Like that experience of the interaction is part of what you're so used to now with every game you play. It's like when that's not there, it kind of feels weird. To playing have a game in silence around. without <laughs> commentating, it's uh, it's weird. It's really weird. You catch yourself commentating. Yeah. 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 I want to hear that, pro- that private commentary. Yeah. I mean, and it's weird, right? Because I have this, I have this backlog of, you know, obviously we go through our lives and there's, there's games you just don't get to. So you put them on your backlog and I have some really big, you know, heavy hitters on my backlog. Like, you know, there's Zelda games, there's Metroid games on there, the, like the later ones that I have on there. And I'm definitely afraid of streaming those because of what you guys are talking about. I don't even want the, the, the slightest whiff of, anything being spoiled of anything upcoming of uh, of a setup for something that's coming like that is making me scared to stream anything that may have like a you know very narrative storyline or something that just you know like a well-loved game that i know is going to be good like you hear nothing but good things about that and you know everyone loves it and they they played it to death already it's been years and everyone's big fan like i can't play any of those games i feel like if i like i have those top tier of my backlog games essentially no off limits to stream because i feel like if i were to stream anything like that it would just that experience would be completely different than what i'm anticipating or looking forward to so it's like i almost go to those second and third and fourth and fifth tier games because it's like who cares if like you know i'm gonna i'll put in games you know yeah in general i mean every game i play on stream is going to be a blind game and i just i don't mind right like i'm picking these games that most i try to pick games that you know you get a large majority of people who have not played in australia i'm I'm sure pete you do a lot of the same things where you know you pick you know i mean you do a little bit of both you're playing games that are you know the big anticipated titles you also play obviously a lot of under you know obscure titles and it's like for me in my show i feel like i I pick a lot of the more obscure games or even just lesser known or even just garbage crap games right because there's going to just be less of a chance of someone knowing what's coming 
coming up or what's going on. And even if someone does know, it's like one person in chat and, you know, they're, you know, they're generally pretty respectful about it just based on what it is. So I don't know if that's like, and I know brunch, like you're playing a lot of big heavy hitter. Tiles. I have avoided like Final Fantasy seven because someone in chat right before something happened at the end of disc one, they posted this huge paragraph of every single thing that happens in that game. And the first sentence was the thing that happens at the end of disc one. And I'm like, well, I got to decide if I'm going to play this game or not play this game on stream. And I've pretty much after this one was over, I've decided that I probably am not going to play it off stream on stream. And But people keep asking me about it. So I'm like, well, maybe I should. What what I did for my 7 Remake stream is I turned on follower only mode. So maybe if you want to go to the extreme of setting it to like 30 day follower only mode or something yeah. crazy. So that way you know that the only people that'll be able to talk are people that, you know, have been following you and you don't get these. Cause believe me, brunch, it's like, it's like a seal in the water with sharks. When somebody sees that you're tagging your stream as a blind first playthrough for Final Fantasy seven, you're going to have those trolls that come in regardless. It's like, it's almost you're like right. you're better off putting like, Oh, this is my 10th playthrough. <laughs> and then that way they won't even bother coming in and saying shit. Or know? they'll come in and just say you're the worst 10th player of this game ever, because it sounds like you're doing, it feels like you're doing it blind for the first time. <laughs> this, this kind of reminds me of an argument that really is starting to piss me off. And that's the, Oh, it's a 20 year old game. Spoilers should be like, people should know or spoilers should be allowed. It's a 20 year old game. If you haven't played it by this point, then that's mm-hmm. your own fault. So many people use that as an art, as an argument. It really pisses me off. It's like, and I think to myself, okay, so how about, you know, I find a, an older 20 year old game that you haven't played yet and I come and to your room at your house or your stream <laughs> and I sit there and just spoil everything for you right before you play. And just because it's not a Final Fantasy game or a Metal Gear Solid game, like if it's some kind of more obscure game, and how how would you feel about that? It's like you can't expect everybody to have played all of these big popular games. Some people just never got around to them. You can't expect people to play them. Even more so on that top of that, Pete, it's like if the person knows and they know that the game is a very rich experience to experience it blind like you they should know more than anybody not to spoil it right because they realize how fun it was for themselves to have gone through the game blind not knowing what's happening having that experience like i hear that all the time and yet at the same time you know there's people say oh this is one of my favorite games i love playing it blind the first time oh by the way here's what happens like i don't understand that where's the where's the wherewithal right there to to you know ruin that experience for someone else it just and i know it's a very fine line between someone who's a fan of the game and wants to talk about it and they want to you know, talk about that experience but I just it, it's very strange to me but you know it exists it's obviously a streamer as all of us as streamers you know it's something you have to weigh and you know we all deal it in different ways so I mean I don't know Foots is that something that you even care about I mean I know that you stream generally stuff that's pretty obscure too like you don't try to stream like some of the big stuff but yeah um, I mean all I stream nowadays is Animal Crossing because basically you can't <laughs> well, yeah, get I was say, you don't stream anything but Animal you Crossing so I guess it doesn't matter playing Animal Crossing like no Someone's gonna come into your town and be like, "Oh, hey, there's a hula doll, okay?" And then, okay, I'm gone. <laughs> Spelled you. Okay. It's not possible. So basically, all I do is turn on crossing and play all those games by myself <laughs> at home and commenting to myself all alone in my room. Uh, like hey. currently, Final Fantasy Nine. It's. I'm sure many people would love to see a blind playthrough for for that game. Like it's a very beloved game, but streaming. Already streaming is very taxing, like your concentration is at a hundred percent because you were playing the game, you're looking at chat, you're checking do I look weird on camera? <laughs> like there's a lot of things going on like in your brain and having the risk of getting spoiled. 
which is too much of a risk for me. So basically all I do is just coop up and, you know, just play them on my own and experience them like they were supposed to be experienced. Now, the only negative thing is uh, I don't have... It's not, I don't have the concentration, but um, when I stream a game, I... You, you, it's not like you want to prove yourself, but I can go on for 12 hours playing a game and wanting to finish it, whereas I don't have this, like, persistence when I play on my own. Like, oh, it's getting it's getting a little hard now. Okay, let's do the dishes now because I don't want to face this difficult task now of <laughs> going over this level. So that's, like, the only negative I encounter, and which is making, you know, playing through my backlog a little difficult because... I don't have this focus on okay, I'm I need to finish this game, I need to get to this point. I don't have that when I'm offline. You don't have that no, all that those eyes on you, you know. <laughs> so I'll assume you're not diving into your backlog much with Animal Crossing occupying pretty much every free second of your time. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying really hard with Final <laughs> Fantasy Nine and it's looking like it's gonna be another one of those RPGs getting pushed back uh, and I regret it but it's it's really hard playing on stream and off stream and finding something that works for you and yeah especially with That's so strange <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense so I know I know uh, Pete I don't know you, you haven't changed you haven't altered too much of what you're doing in terms of diving into these back projects because obviously you know streaming streaming is you know your livelihood and this is something you do every day so hopefully it's not not too much is changing for you either I would think right just about the only thing that I've done recently that I typically haven't done is just like beat an RPG from start to finish on stream uh, with Final Fantasy 7 Remake because typically I don't stream a game from start to finish for that long. You know, it took me about 45 hours to finish and I usually don't dedicate that much time to one game on stream unless it's a speed run. But, uh, you know, I made the decision like, yeah, I'm going to take a hit in concurrent viewership because a lot of people aren't going to tune in because either they're playing it, they don't want spoilers, they plan on playing it, they don't want spoilers, so I'm like, you know what, let's just take the hit because sadly the one thing when you stream full-time for a living, the one thing that determines a lot of like sponsorship opportunities and the money that you get paid for them, it's actually based on your concurrent viewership. So by streaming a game like Final Fantasy VII Remake, that pretty much almost cuts that number in half. It impacts how much money I make from everything else, which is a a crazy thing to think about. But I'm like, you know what? If I don't play this game nonstop on stream... Um, I'm never never going to get around to finishing it because here's the thing. Playing a game like that off stream, the last thing that I want to do after streaming for hours Mm. is to be like, all right, let's sit down in that same chair again and play an (laughs) RPG for more hours. Like, it's not healthy, first of all. So I'm like, all right, I'm just going to stream this game from start to finish uh, no matter what. And I'm I'm glad I did. You know, obviously, spoilers were something that were a little hard to dodge around towards the end, but I talked about how I kind of avoided that. But, uh, yeah, that was like, that was kind of a major, uh, I don't know what achievement for me is I normally never stream an RPG that long. So the fact that I finally, from start to finish, beat one on stream, because usually in the past, like with Persona 5, I never streamed that once, or I think I streamed it the first day, and then the rest I just played offline. Mm-hmm. And the second that I put that game down for a few days, because there came the issue, right? I'm like, okay, I need to stream today. I'm not going to be streaming Persona 5. And then too many days of that happened in a row, and I just gave up on Persona 5. 
So that's just me. I know it happens with a lot of people where once you put down an RPG for a few days, it can be kind of hard to rope yourself back into it. Yeah, yeah. out of sight, out of mind, yeah. right? That's exactly what happens. I mean, that's such a weird thing, though. So for everyone else, that and I, you know, I've talked about this before, but uh, you know, this in this time period now, we have more free time. You know, obviously, we're probably finding a little bit more time to play offline. So it's funny that you mentioned that, Pete. Do you play? I imagine for you, maybe, it's, but your gaming setup is your stream setup. It's the same either way when you're playing games, right? For you, yeah. you don't you don't try to go to a different area of the house no. to play your games offline that are not streaming because some I know some of us need like a more relaxed environment, like streaming, like what Fogel was talking about earlier. Streaming, there's this mindset of everything going on but for you pete you it's the same spot right your gaming room is your game room. That's yeah i mean it just it just wouldn't make sense to have a, a like i don't want to sit in a chair longer than i need to every it's just not because it's <laughs> already been taking time. a toll on my body you know uh yeah i know standing desks and whatnot i just the room and the setup just doesn't accommodate for such a thing unfortunately yeah, that uh, makes sense but and like brunch. you know it just takes a toll on the body after so many years so i try and avoid <laughs> sitting that long as much as i can Got to get a comfy gaming chair or something, right? Oh, God, the chair I have right now is starting to break, so it's a perfect combination. <laughs> Bad series of events. And for brunch, I know that I, you, how much, uh, you tend to play some stuff offline, off stream. Like, you, you tend to, I don't I don't know what your your percentage split is for gaming, for streaming. Like, this is a question, and I'm only bringing this up because, one, it's a question we get a lot of, and it's something I'm actually just curious about for each of you. But for you, brunch, like, what is your split? Your percentage of gaming slash streaming for to handle all your gaming needs right now. It usually, honestly, ninety five percent streaming and five percent off streaming. The only, the only thing wow. I, I the reason I started streaming two years ago is because I, I got tired of all the modern games that I played and how they were just derivative of each other. Like I played, I hate to say it, but I played a lot of first person shooters prior to streaming and. Those games are pretty much copy paste every single iteration. So I got really tired of it, and and then when I started streaming retro, I stopped playing modern altogether, except for let's just say like the Animal Crossing came out, so I started playing that. Um, and like Red Dead Redemption Two is on my list of a game that I must play. I'm not going to stream that game one because I would never put anyone through watching me traverse the desert as slowly as I will. But two because I'm not going to play a modern game on stream. It's just nothing I'm, I I desire Possible to do. Possible spoilers there too as well, right? That you would want to avoid. I would imagine. Pro- probably probably that. But I just you know I'm I'm just trying to keep my my channel focused on retro, and that's what I enjoy playing, and I enjoy conversing about retro. So that's just what my focus is there. But but yeah, other than the odd. Uh, the odd modern game I pretty much do all my gaming on stream and that's why this past month or so has been great because for me at least is because I've been able to get in those games like you said at the top of the uh, the episode games in the backlog I've been waiting to you know dive in and finish and Link's Awakening was at the top of that list and your gaming setup like when you're playing well I guess this you, you game so infrequently off stream but when you do like do you game in that same setup right now where your stream setup is no 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 the living room the living room has the switch so that's pretty and like the Xbox one so if I'm going to play a modern game it's going to be in the living room um, I actually thought about and I don't know we could probably talk about this offline I was thinking about maybe getting a, an HDMI splitter so I could split the console to come back to my gaming my streaming room so I could actually play at my uh, at my setup back here um, because I feel like, you know, and I'm sure Pete probably has this problem too, is all the consoles set up, you know, at all the same, cause I know you have your PS4 and sometimes you play on the Xbox one. And then of course all your retro stuff, it's gotta be a pain in the butt to constantly, um, either have those always set up or switch them. Do you switch them, Pete, or do you keep them omnipresent? People <laughs> definitely do not want to know my setup. <laughs> it's a mess. This is just a mess yeah. of I've cables. Seen pictures of when it. I was, when I was younger, I used to have... <laughs> 
some kind of cohesive like switch box. I don't even use that shit anymore. I just got consoles <laughs> laying everywhere. <laughs> if I got every time I got to hook one up and the other, I got I just like search for the cables that I need. It's it's a mess. I'm just because switching consoles and games so much. It's like it's so hard for me to stay organized and things are just such a mess. Same. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be looking the stream across the oh, sorry, room. Sorry. Go ahead. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be going to stream a console and I'll be like, God damn it, I can't find the specific uh, video cable Power I need for this. Can't cable. find the Ziploc bag, can't find the tangled cord. I'm like, all right, not streaming that console tonight on something else. Sometimes I can't find the controller I need for that console, so it's like, fuck it, I'm just, I'm just going to move on to someone, something else. Now, is that is that uh, a reason why you found speedrun? Because I know you like Dark Cloud, for example. You were speedrunning that a lot. Is that why you enjoy delving to speedruns, or like maybe it's a, a happy like byproduct? Is that you can focus on that one game, that one console, and not have to worry about constantly switching? Um, it's a nice side effect of it, like yeah. sort of just being able to leave one console hooked up for a bit and kind of just ride off of that for a few streams without the because a lot of people don't realize. Not not everybody, but I'm sure some people are like super prepared. But when you sit down to do a stream, it's not like you just sit in your chair and press start and go. It, there's a lot of preparation between getting your scene set up, making sure that everything's cropped okay, making sure that you know you, there's a lot of preparation. That's a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of preparation to switch consoles between stream to stream. And yeah, I can streamline it a little bit, but let's be honest here. You know, some people are organized, some people are not. So if you're not organized, it's it's like a 20, 30 minute setup in some cases. It's so strange. Minutes. I'm organized and it still takes me two, three hours of prep before I'm ready to go live. I mean, I have all the consoles ready to switch in a moment. And, you know, in streams, I'll generally, you know, on most streams, I'll generally try to swap around consoles and, and move from one to the next. I mean, I spent so much time planning and setting up everything here so that I could have that ability because that was something that was always a goal of my stream where I can jump around from, oh, let's play a Genesis game and then play a Nintendo game and then play a Game Boy Advance game and then play a Lynx game or something like that. Like I, I wish I, I can do that. <laughs> it's just too much work for me to do that the way my setup because I don't have switch boxes. I don't have all my consoles neatly lined up in a line in front of me. Yeah. It's like I'd have to jank everything together as I go. <laughs> so it's, oh, God. Oh, don't get me wrong. There's still plenty of jank in this setup. I mean, I've got, I don't want to look behind any of these drawers right now with all these consoles. But I mean, and, and you know, this thing about the stream setup that you're talking about, Pete, and this is just something that I think is, I think it's kind of an interesting behind the scenes look for all of us as streamers because, you know, there are some people who, like you said, you know, they're completely set up, ready to go, and they can go stream at a moment's notice and sometimes you can kind of tell when someone does that but in general i mean i would think stream prep time i mean i spend literally a good two hours before i ever hit that start and this is after i've already made the decision like i'm gonna stream this is the time i'm streaming and then you know you spend two hours making sure everything's right doing your sound check especially if you do multiple consoles yeah, that one. And and not even counting the time it takes to pick out like the games you're going to play or what you're trying to jump through. It's just it's such a it's such a process. Especially then if you want to have box art ready to go and titles, it's yeah. yeah people it's people don't realize sometimes how much work goes into swapping consoles and games on the fly, which is usually why I just generally if I pick a console, if I'm going to do a variety, it's just going to be from that one console for the night just to kind of expedite the process. 
Yeah, that makes sense. It, ma- it makes sense to do that. And, and even now more so, like I'm thinking to myself, it's just better to, like I'm trying to do, I have this, I was trying to start like a new thing for a stream where I was just going to do like a, a through the ages of a manufacturer. So it was like, I started out by trying to do Sega through the ages where just in a night I would jump from like a, a Sega Master System game to a Genesis game, to a Dreamcast game, to a Saturn game, and then like kind of just play through a game on each console, which in theory was a good idea. And little <laughs> did I realize the last time I tried doing that, I pretty much stayed on the first console because I was just popping in games and 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 and, play. and and actually the main problem is it has nothing to do with that. My main problem is you know playing through the first two levels of a game for four hours and that's generally where the where things stop. <laughs> so that's my bigger issue. But for anyone else out there, I mean, like in terms of your stream setup, prep time. I mean, is there anything else you guys see or want to give a little bit of insight to as to the behind the scenes workings of your streams, brunch, foots, anything like that? I mean, that's work. Yeah, it's a work in progress. I've, I've, that, that's really what I'm working on right now. Like I've just I've been trying to rearrange my office so that I have everything as easily accessible as possible with no clutter, and have the you know the outputs and the the upscalers all in one place and the power sources all in one place so I could just as quickly as possible get it going because yeah it's, it's a real chore and it's unfortunate because it kind of some days I'm just like I'm just not gonna stream tonight I guess you know after an hour of setup it's just not gonna happen and so it's it's unfortunate oh. that it gets that cumbersome sometimes so I'm trying to oh avoid God. that from happening yeah I mean it's unavoidable right it, you're just gonna run into a re- speed bump and it's like the smallest speed bump as you prep for a stream can derail the entire process of even starting you're like forget it this is too much I've already wasted two hours on this I could have been streaming for two hours and I'm not even gonna stream it's it's a frustration right it's a real thing that can really like I said derail a well, stream sometimes. we all we all could just get a bunch of misters and do that right I mean, that is an option, right? I mean, these these options today between, you know, more streamlined FPGA systems and these Mr. DIY boxes that are giving not only just game players, like additional options to be able to play all these games in the most genuine way possible, or at least the closest approximation to, you know, as a streamers, right? Like the streamer technology or the, the as streamers and having access to consoles to give you the best signal out to your stream. I mean, it's a huge process right now. Like we, we talk about in everyone's streams right now, and it's like the excitement of these retro, of these new methods to play the retro games. There's so much information like daily, it seems like now where there's new methods to do it. You know, Mr. Development is taking off more and more consoles are being having cores developed for it you know people will start being able to stream things like the a sharp x68000 soon as soon as these cores are out it's a crazy time for us even as even in such a niche hobby as retro streaming on twitch right that there's so much happening in this space right now it kind of boggles the mind and for the unfortunate side effect though is nobody's on the same middle ground anymore whereas years ago if you wanted to stream retro it's like all right everybody has to put up with being able to play all their games on like composite or component or s video and now it's like if you want to step up and have everything streamlined for you you're looking at a huge investment across all enormous yeah it's it's such a huge thing right now i mean one yeah one good to have the options but two it's like it's then you get that rat race right the rat race of getting the best stuff to make sure everyone's on the same page and you're having it's just one of those weird things and it's so strange to me because this this under this it's not an underground community it's just this retro hardware community like it's it's got some of the most hardcore fans and like these are real true fans of the systems of the retro systems that are doing all this hard groundwork to create all of this technology to make things 
as 100% accurate as possible. Like it's re- it's 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 really warming my heart to see like this strive for 100% accuracy. Like this thing about the Mister developing 100% accurate cores from original arcade PCB games. It's insane. It's insane work, and and hopefully in the end, you know, it'll result in just better streams for for all of us. Assuming you know you you make that decision to dive in into into this hardware and to add it to your stream process. We need more people to be dedicated to projects such as video out on Wonder Swans or mm. developing handmade batteries for Gizmondos. Where are those hardcore fans? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> there, you know, and it's funny, right? Because these bounties, they, there's some of these bounties have been sitting there for so long waiting for these hardware guys, you know, some hardware guru to come up and, and develop these things. Like some of the most interesting, I mean, obviously, you know, the analog pocket is something I think a lot of, a lot of people are looking for, not just as players, but like in the stream community, it seems like the analog pocket is people are, are I'm not like, looking forward to the rush to pre-order that thing. Like for real, seriously, if the pre-orders go for that, go up for that, just practically drive to my house to let me know you know because i don't want to miss out on it yeah and i feel that that's going to be something you know obviously with some production issues around the world right now like something when and if that happens and i think they're still saying it's going to happen in the year 20 you know it's going to happen this year the original date was springtime but who knows now and and, you know there hasn't been any updates for the team really yeah i mean could be something that pushes in the next year and it is something where i mean the the fever pitch that's starting to build up for these systems right because you know if we're to believe what they say and you know there's no reason not to believe cricks in the team but you know game boy original game boys of course which have always had an option original game boy advance games but then you dive into game gear which people are just dipping their feet into with the analog and then of course you know Atari Lynx games, Neo Geo Pocket Color games, Wonder Wait, they Swan actually games. have links for that? Well, they so in their in their yeah, in their press materials where they are showing the initial consoles that they're going to be releasing these adapters for because by itself, right, the Pocket is designed, it looks essentially it's built like a uh, up, like like a Game Boy, like the original Game Boy kind of style. So the cartridge slot is going to support natively Game Boy Advance and then original Game Boy and Game Boy Color. So then when they release these adapters for them, they're going to, you know, the adapters will essentially slot into that slot and then adapt to these other games. And the three that they've already shown, you know, in all of their press material is the Atari Lynx, is the Neo Geo Pocket Color, and the game gear so not wonder swan yet so that's something that hopefully they'll they'll announce you know an adapter for but who knows because they haven't really they haven't really um given all the details for all of that because you know they may just be working on those but essentially those adapters those three, are probably pretty far off Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, if you well, if the original, if the original, because I know that Pete, you have the Game Gear adapters, right? For your yeah, set, and what an experience SG. that was. They, and that took you know forever. there was a problem with that. Yeah, the very first batch, you know, they shipped it. Everyone started receiving them, and then immediately they did a recall on the Game Gear version. The SG one thousand and the SG three thousand adapter that seemed to be fine, but there was some pin connection issue with the Game Gear Mega SG adapter. They immediately had to recall. Like they basically told they you, told don't everybody use it. dispose it. Yeah, dispose destroy it. Wow. <laughs> And I because, had already used it on my console, because apparently what would happen is if you used it enough, it would pretty much brick your console and yeah, make it... It would fry. An, it, it couldn't be repaired. Like, the console would still work, but you would never be able to use the Game Gear adapter in that console again, even, like, a new version of it. Wow. So luckily it never came down to that for me, but I had used it for hours. Luckily yeah, my console survived. Yeah, you streamed a ton of Game Gear stuff that first I was so excited to delve into it. <laughs> 
and you know like i said so this thing about the analog pocket in it coming out like that's one side of it and i feel i like personally i feel like and personally you know i love the ability to stream neo geo pocket color games the real games like one of the few that can do it but i also love the fact that that's going to be coming out and you're going to be seeing more people one not just you know experience those games because a lot of people would say oh well, i don't even want to try neo geo pocket color because you know the console is this not backlit and it's hard to play i can't stream it there's so many reasons where people are just kind of like holding off on playing some of these other consoles games so the fact that it's going to give a lot of people the ability to one not only play it themselves but also to share with other people and show how great these other games are it's and such of course boom. drive up the prices on ebay <laughs> yeah oh, that'll yes. always as help. everybody's now flocking to ebay to buy games for the G- the pocket color yeah everyone buy your neo geo pocket color buy your wonder swan games heck buy your buy your Lynx games i would say the Lynx games would have a nice little bump from this kind of uh this kind of product being released but i mean in general i mean uh, pete i already know you're you're chomping at the bit to stream some of these you know systems that you've been putting off on hold when it comes out so i mean I yeah, i've, I've tried streaming some of these consoles in the past and let me tell you it's it's not it's not fun yeah, to have definitely. to set up a webcam and try and get the lighting <laughs> right and try and get the angle right, especially the links. My freaking word, that thing is trying to do. Because before, back when I streamed that, like console modding for that thing was still relatively new. It's and it was expensive. It still is. Yeah, but it's like trying the stream. And I've tried streaming the Neo Geo Pocket Color with a webcam uh, in the past, and that is probably one of the hardest consoles. And I've tried doing it for the Wonder Swan too. Like I've tried everything. Hell, you know, if I get if I used to do the Virtual Boy without freaking modifications. <laughs> You know, and I looked at my video for that uh, it was yesterday, good. actually, yeah, because somebody well. was talking about how they were playing their Virtual Boy again, and I showed them a link of how I used to do it, and I'm like, damn, that, I mean, it took me like five hours to set it up, <laughs> but I'm like, Christ, that looks really good with sticking a webcam in the visor for that thing. No, the results were awesome. I remember that stream too when you first popped up and people were just asking, you know, is this emulation? Like they, you got them fooled to the point where you, they thought possibly you were emulating for like the first time on stream. And it was, it was, something <laughs> to, it was a sight to behold for sure. <laughs> yeah. But a brunch or foots, like you guys, I mean, I, I know foots, you're, you're a pretty big handheld girl too. So I would imagine the pocket analog is something that, mm, I mean, I don't know whether, whether for stream purposes or just playing on a nice backlit screen. I know you're in the process of upgrading some of your Game Boy Advance handhelds to get, you know, the newer newer tech screens in there which again that's yet another option to kind of you know it's 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 an option where you're bringing in that experience of like the original system as close as you can but giving it a, a, a bit of a minor refresh or upgrade to be able to play it but I, I know you're looking forward to that in terms of your your updated gba stuff how is that is that something where you anticipate where once you get that done you'll just be sitting around playing your your upgraded gba hardware sitting on the couch again or is the pocket more along the lines of something where you're looking forward to I mean, I mean the pocket isn't out yet, so I'm making yeah. do with with what I have. Uh, once the pre-orders can go up, like I'm on that console. Uh, I think it was two hundred dollars, uh, if I remember correctly. Which at first people were like, "Wow, that is so expensive!" But I recently upgraded to a Game Boy Advance uh, modded console with the new IPS screens, which just ah, they look so delicious, and I'm still waiting. For the shipping, <laughs> I ordered it like a day ago, and I'm already just waiting by the letterbox, just waiting for it to get so, it. So tell, so tell me again, because you, I was a little confused, but you, you got the original GBA sideways model, right? The original model yeah. GBA 101 or whatever, not the SP, right? Any backlight, exactly. That's, I mean, that's how I grew up 
playing, uh, I started out with the Game Boy Color, playing Link's Awakening, and then transitioned with every handheld, which I just had to have, and I begged my parents to get that <laughs> console for me. Uh, I never had the Game Boy Advance SP, I got that one way later, but the uh, console I have currently, I botched it a tiny bit by wanting to um, change the uh, the screen which had like a tiny scratch on it and like the the way it's built with like the lighting screens and everything like I have traces of like um, cleaning products and <laughs> like I don't know some weird spots and everything so I have like this really nice glass screen on my GBASP but otherwise the image is just awful so I have like all these nice Game Boy, Game Boy Color Game Boy Advance games and I just don't want to play them on this little botched little console I have <laughs> so that's why I updated and I mean it just feels nicer to have something new in a way but that is retro at the same time it's, it's a weird thing it's a new way to experience your games definitely yeah, it really is. Like, again, talking about this community that are building these mods, it's amazing to me because, I, I mean, I have this GBA IPS screen that you're talking about. I, You know, when the option was available, I was looking at options because I had previously purchased GBAs that had pre-modded screens in them. I had modded one myself, but this new screen, and essentially for people don't know, so they essentially for the GBA, SP, uh, the regular GBA Game Boy Advance model, and that's the sideways unit, the first model that came out. So the mod community has come up with this updated screen, and it's essentially a super clear, super bright, slightly larger screen. It's not, and it's only larger in the sense that they needed to get you know a common LCD display as close to the size as possible to the original GBA to fit in there physically. Now the, the aspect ratio, the pixel size, everything's still exactly one to one for the original Game Boy Advance it's just slightly larger. So and it's crazy to think that early on in the days of like these hardware mods, like everything was jank. I mean there was a mod for the original Game Boy Advance called the Afterburner Kit. It was essentially, it was the one of the first mods I remember doing as you know a younger person you know back in the day and essentially you would uh it was a front light uh it was a front light that you would take apart your gba you would kind of cut a little bit of the frame out in the inside so you could fit this light and it would be a front light that basically shown on you know on top of the screen it was like one of the most one of the craziest things i remember thinking doing at that time because one i was very against you know like opening and modding my consoles one because i'm like two thumbs guy and i'll essentially melt or break anything i open <laughs> but you know putting in that afterburner kit and being able to play my original gba my launch gba with some light some light and it was not the best light it wasn't a backlight like you'll see on a modern phone or you know screen or display now or a modern hand it's it was a front light but it was a very well evenly lit front light and putting that on there and being able to play gba games you know uh, early on in the life cycle to the task it was really an awesome thing so to see the evolve the evolution of these user mods because essentially what we're talking about these are user mods they're they're parts that are kind of you know grabbed off the shelf of chinese manufacturers and as long as the screen fits and it fits like the specs of what you want the console to be modded in like the level of precision and detail and fitment of these mods today and the ease of use of them. Like, I can't even stress how, like, anybody out there, if you're interested in, like, kind of delving into maybe, it's a cool thing because you're, in one hand, you're, like, what Foots is talking about, you're reviving a system from your past, but you're playing it in a, in a kind of a modern way, but yet keeping everything as authentic as possible. And 
then you know the between the price and the installation of these things like for every console you can think of like the neo geo pocket color has a backlight screen the game boy color has one the regular game boy has one the game boy advance has one Atari links like pete was saying earlier has one the, i mean every console you can think of uh, and, and i'm talking about the handles like there is a way to kind of give it a nice refresh to make it seem like a modern console and they're really quite stunning with some of these mods and i highly recommend anyone out there listening that if you want to dip your toes into something like a mod project something like a quick diy maybe even a way to kind of test your own ability to kind of give one of your old retro consoles like this facelift i would highly recommend any of these modern screen updates for near any of the handhelds what's I mean, the bro- general price that they charge for something like that so, for the installation uh well yeah it really depends but that's the thing you really don't have to for game advanced like just the screen you do it yourself like you get the screen you get the shell which has already been cut so the screen fits inside about 50 uh for the gba original model and the sp as well which also has uh, an ips model now Uh, i got my gba already like done like i have to do nothing i just have to turn the console on game uh 100 buck so it's pretty pricey if you want to mod every single one of your handhelds. So in that case, the analog uh, would be way cheaper for 200 bucks to have just everything in one thing. Even with the converters, it's still going to be cheaper than just getting every single console modded. Well, and you get your original console, right? Essentially, and the funny thing about the GBA IPS—that's the only one that's the—that's like the highest priced one. Well, I will say highest of the new series of mods, like fifty dollars. Yeah, but like for the Game Boy Color, the Neo Geo Pocket Color, like that screen, it's actually the same screen that they're modding. They're creating these mod tools to help you fit that same size screen in multiple systems. And that one is really cheap. I think that one is, what, 25 bucks mm. shipped. And then the parts you need, maybe another $15. So really like $50 will get you a nice upgraded modern backlight for your like Game Boy Color, your Neo Geo Pocket Color. The Wonderswan one is super expensive right now because it's new and it's like a completely custom custom size screen but really a lot of these projects like i think there's a nice mod project to fit everyone's skill level and price level like you can get out for as little as 50 to 60 dollars and maybe if 15 minutes of your time like literally a screwdriver unscrew it you know take some boards apart flipping a ribbon yeah. put it all together and you're ready yeah, yeah it's amazing making, how they've, they've done these streamlined it as well before we had to solder and now they have models where you don't even yeah need like zero solder and, everything yeah. is just straight up like putting pieces together like legos is it it's, the same for wonder swan like you just put it together no the wonder the wonder swan one now it's really early because it just came out a couple months ago so that one is not as streamlined i mean it's still the it, more it's more about availability like the screen for whatever reason that size of the screen for the wonder swan color it's just rarer right so at whatever the board is that sits in between it's a little bit more rare so that one price wise is kind of up there like i think you can't i don't even think you can get your hands on it for less than 200 dollars right now but so does until, that have to be soldered or can you just no that together? one is a no solder mod like once you get the pieces in, you can pretty much disassemble a wonder swan with a screwdriver pop in the pieces and put everything back together and you should be good to go so uh, I, and that one's still evolving so if i'm giving a little bit of misinformation out there please no one kill me but you know there is <laughs> going to be that one's evolving i'm looking forward to that because not only you know i'm looking forward to obviously doing video out on the analog pocket whenever they decide they want us. but i think a full backlit screen a modern one will definitely go a long ways to kind of uh giving the wonder swan color new life out there in the community so i'll, I'll keep you updated pete as soon as the information but, but for right now like you can buy a pre-modded one but the price they're charging for the pre-modded wonder swan colors is like 300 or 400 us dollars right yeah, so it's no insanely thanks. high <laughs> so i know you love your wonder swan color but maybe not that much <laughs> But br- brunch, was there any of these? Or go ahead, Pete. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say, as the thing with me, it's like, there. 
outside of the Wonderswan for like ease of streaming it with a webcam, like all these other console, like I'm never going to sit down and play Game Boy Advance or Game Boy Color by myself because typically if I'm going to play it, it's going to be on stream. You know, the days of laying on a couch playing Game Boy Advance games or something by myself. It's funny, are, are done. It, but it's funny you say that, right? Because I feel like I, I'm I'm almost pretty much the same way you are because I, I have very little time outside of stream to play. Like I play 98% of all of my gaming on stream. I barely have time outside to do that. But the funny thing is, Pete, is like once you get one of your original, and you're a huge Game Boy Color kid, you know what I mean? Like that was, you know, one of your, your more favorite consoles growing up and when you, you bought at that time. Like if you refresh that thing with the screen, you'd be surprised. And I don't know if it would really happen because obviously your, your time is dedicated to streaming 24-7. But if you were to upgrade, maybe even like, maybe not your original console, if you're holding on to that for sentimental purposes, but if you buy like a similar one and put in this modern screen and then you'd be surprised. Like I've been sitting around playing Tetris, the Game Boy Color version on my modded upgraded screen Game Boy Color and just sitting around the house, you know, walking wherever, because, you know, the ease of use. It's like you're kind of getting that convenience back that you had so long ago, which is why I was curious about your setup and, you know, where you play games offline. But it may open up a little bit of that door. My mindset, though, is just like, Let's just say I'm playing a cool adventure game or something. I'm like, damn, I could be sharing streaming. this with <laughs> streaming it. Like, it, it's just like I mentioned earlier in the stream. It's like something feels like it's missing when I'm playing a game and not streaming it. You know, it's just like I just feel like, oh, man, I should be streaming this and sharing it with, right, with everybody right now. It's kind of just strange to play alone. I mean, I will say you got to play Metal Gear Solid, right, for Game Boy Color soon. Some down the line <laughs> that maybe when you don't want stream, this would be a good chance. You never <laughs> oh, know. I'm sure the spoilers in that would be. <laughs> Ugh, watch out. There's right? a dog on the next screen or something. <laughs> What can they really do? This is the coolest part coming up. Don't you're gonna love it. Okay, have There's fun. There's a box in the next screen. <laughs> uh, brunch is any of that kind of appealing to you? I know that obviously you know you you grew up as a Game Gear kid, for example. So is that something Oof. that kind of <laughs> thinly veiled, thin Game Boy Game Gear guy? But no, I'm I'm looking forward to getting that. Just to keep it brief, that uh, that new analog uh, pocket console. Honestly, I, I I've had the standing order. Anytime I see a Game Boy of any variation, there's so many of those that were released over the years. I I pick it up. And, I, and it's weird to say, but I'm picking it up for my kids because I'm excited to play with them, you know, link cabling with them, all the games that we can play together. Oh, and so nice. So yeah. I'm super duper excited for that reason. But but that analog looks so, so beautiful. I definitely will be uh, at least getting one of those. And actually, it was funny is that you, you recently showed me a Game Boy, what was that, a micro that I never even saw before that... that Japan guy. I was just thinking of the micro. The screen on this oh, is you, so yeah. beautiful. You need to show. You need to show uh, Pete that micro we found from Japan. Oh Bovine. yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you know the, the Game Boy Pocket so, line. Yeah. Oh, is it a pocket? Sorry, it's a pocket. It was a Game Boy Pocket that was modeled with the same color scheme as the original Game Boy. Like yeah. that unit is so beautiful. It, oh, it, yeah, so. and Bovine found this thing at like beautiful, beautiful packaging. You know, pristine, and it was just, it was just gorgeous. You'd love it, Pete. But uh, but yeah, I I'm excited for the analog, but I still am gonna pick up as many Game Boys as I possibly get my hands on. And the problem is, there's so many colors. Nintendo knew exactly what old version of me was gonna yes. want, and it's one I want every single color oh of every gosh. single version. Yes, I had to struggle. Like when I wanted, like I wanted this GBA mod. Like for months, I've been waging. I've been waving about it for months, but then it's like, which color do I choose? So I have like 20 colors, and choose like, them all. Dang, I don't know. <laughs> this is a commitment, man. And then I, I'm going to end up buying them all anyway. But um, uh, Eventually. I do need to make a tiny disclaimer, though. Like, if you do invest in upgrading your console and screen and everything, please tear off the plastic film on it. Just let the glass screen do its, do its work, do its magic. Just, just tear it off. 
Just saying. That's crazy talk, Futz. What are you talking about? I have no idea what you're referring to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, seriously. Leave those plastic covers on. It will protect your screen indefinitely for the foreseeable future. <laughs> Just saying. Whatever. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Okay, so thanks. Well, okay, so that those are, you know, I, that was just kind of a quick thing about the hardware. Like, I'm always fascinated with, like, whatever these new mods that are come out to, to kind of breathe new life into these old consoles or even just give them a quick refresher update. So hopefully we'll be having some more options uh, with for us in the future. The Pocket's going to be a big thing streaming-wise and, ret- you know, just handheld gaming-wise in general. So so I think with that, I think, uh, I think we're good. Does anyone have anything they want to bring up for last thoughts or final thoughts for this particular episode? Glad, like, again, it's great that everyone, we were able to get together for this so it's awesome conversation as always but any closing thoughts here so many games to play so many sales so many games i'm glad your steam addiction has worn off though so it's that me that too. that actually is very makes me very happy to know that you're not you know diving headlong into pc world and coming back to the the regular consoles how, how <laughs> it's, resist, it's a honey it's a short honeymoon how to resist all those sales and you know playstation giving mm-hmm. out free games and everything like it's no, it's, a, it's a good time at least to be uh to be gaming so glad about that get on those steam sales yeah get on the steam sales it's not hard, just steam it's hard though to look away. also Switch players, there's some oh. really big sales on Switch. Yeah. Like, huge. I recently picked up a bunch of really cheap games. Like, we're talking games that are between 10 cents and a dollar. And they're, <laughs> they're was, pretty good, too. Some what was your best good. game under 10 cent, under a quarter, Pete, that you, that you found during that search? <laughs> um, I guess it was probably that Barrier X game. Yeah. Remember that one I was streaming where it's going like 500 miles an hour and I'm dodging oh, stuff? Yeah. yeah, that was an insane game. The speed I started on that one it, was I'm unreal. Like, I started it, I'm like, this game's too fast, I can't stand it. And then like two hours later, I'm like, I can't stop. <laughs> I can't stop trying to dodge these obstacles. Yeah, so break out your Switches, go on their deals page. And then a website that was recommended to me that everybody should check out too. At first, I was a little hesitant on it because I didn't like the layout. But it's a site called Deku Deals, D-E-K-U deals.com and then it'll it keeps track like every time you go to the site it'll tell you like these deals were added five hours ago these were added 15 minutes ago and they're always adding new prices and showing price history like they'll let you know if this is the cheapest a game has ever been on the switch and there's a lot of cool stuff to choose from is that specific to switch then or is that yeah it's it's switch only wow kind of interesting yeah i gotta check that one out price history and everything and that's how i found a lot of the the games well, i feel like switch up. needs it. it has i i don't i do not like the shopping experience on the switch oh it's terrible so it's th- quite awful mm. yeah let, let me just let me just mention the one thing that happened to me when i was trying to do that on stream oh. <laughs> i was browsing the switch eShop, and you know we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of games in the eShop on there and randomly as i'm scrolling down it'll just decide you know what let's boot them back to the main <laughs> part like the top part of the store so I, i'd spend 10 minutes scrolling down and then it would be like all right reset and then i'd have to spend time scrolling all the way back down again and it, that, it happened like 10 uh, times that errant button press because it's one unlimited scroll that they set up for some ungodly reason i don't know why they have it like that but you're it's right it's not even a button press yeah, sometimes just random. because uh you can use the i was using a face button on one of my, oh. my controller <laughs> so i was just holding one button down for like a down input it wasn't even the joystick it was just the eShop booting me out oh, out of my control. Yeah, try checking the sales and, then trying to and find I couldn't even place, get yeah. to the bottom of the... It kept loading, there's kept too loading. Many. I couldn't even touch yeah, the bottom. Yeah, there's literally just too many. It was insane. It took me hours to go through the deals. Like, Did I think you, it you actually made it to the end, hours. right? 
Did you actually make it um, to the end? I can't remember if you gave up at the end because you and Aaron pushed out and then you're like, forget it, I'm done. <laughs> no, I, I gave up. Yeah, I gave up. Eventually, <laughs> I made it to the end, though, in uh, on that website. That's hilarious. <sighs> but yeah, tons of tons of deals on the Switch right now. Uh, lots of stuff just to take a chance on, you know, 10 cents, 20 cents. Just pick it up, play it. If you got the time. Yeah. I mean, as much as we're all advocates for obviously real hardware and all that stuff, there's something to be said about, you know, 10 cent games, 50 cent games and under. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially when they run it like five frames a second. <laughs> oh boy. Cool. Here we go. <laughs> no, but like the ports I've been playing have been pretty, they've been yeah. acceptable. I, I, yeah, I think that their their whole the developers trying to kind of push the boundaries is what they have. I mean, a lot of these Steam sales, a lot of these Steam sales, sorry, a lot of these Switch sales games, they are a lot of these kind of uh, not lower end, but obviously lower hardware requirements games. So many of them do run like perfectly fine, the same way as if you would get them on like a regular Steam enabled PC. So that's cool. I mean, it's it's a weird thing, right? Like a lot of people will. I hear people complain all the time. Like you have these haters of the Switch out there where they're like, well, you know, they have a lot of games, but it's all crap and trash for that same stuff you get on mobile or PC. But you know what? It's like to, to me, and I've said this before about the Switch before. Like I'm using that primarily to handle all of my like lower end indie stuff, like stuff that primarily would have been used either on like a mobile device or on on a Steam PC. That I don't bother to play those games on PC. Like the Switch is absolutely the perfect system to play those games on. So I I appreciate it for everything it's doing in terms of uh, getting those games out in a format to be played on the Switch. I mean, yeah, the pricing is a little off because they generally charge more, but you know these sales are kind of negating that fact too. So there'll be less for people to complain about. Brunch, any closing thoughts here? Uh, ten cents for the Link's Awakening remake on Switch. Still too much money, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Somewhat. Anyone need to? Anyone want to do a stream? Re, uh, quick. Uh, usually at the end of our of our episodes here, we like to do a little bit of uh, games we played on stream recently, or a quick recap. We can do a quick. So we spent more time on other things here, so we can do a quick recap if anyone wants to jump in on that. I, I really think what's Vogel cheated by getting a. A twenty minute <laughs> at the start yeah, of the episode. That, that's your segment, Foots. You're done. <laughs> also because you haven't streamed a single damn thing other than Animal Crossing. I did, so I did you're stream Link's Awakening on the Switch. Shut up. Oh, okay, okay. Alright, I'll give you a pass. <laughs> Brunch loved that one, I'm sure. <laughs> I missed that for on purpose. I will not give that game any more of my time. The hate from this guy on LA, I, oh, I can't deal with it. In about ten years I'll be ready to play the Switch port. Until then I like I'm just gonna try to forget the uh the feelings i had at the end of that playthrough <laughs> but yeah that that, that, that would be what nice. my uh my stream uh update would be is Link's awakening is uh, a game that i've never been saltier in all my life on a game <laughs> and i hope never to get to that level ever again <laughs> uh brunch brunch you're literally killing me sir <laughs> <laughs> i know <laughs> Uh, Pete, uh, how about you, Pete? What's what do you want to review? I mean, obviously, you stream every day. It's your livelihood. Let us know what, what has been what are, what are the most fascinating parts of your stream recaps in the last couple of months. Couple of months, both. Oh, Jesus, I'm sorry. La- <laughs> last year of stream Man. highlights. How about no, that? no, I don't even mean that. I mean that's way too much yeah, for me. A lot. It's yeah, a big time frame. <laughs> Honestly, people ask me what I've been streaming. I can't even remember what I streamed last week. In some instances. Um, I don't know. I've been streaming a lot of the Switch games I picked up, and then obviously the big thing is Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I won't spoil, but uh, obviously, because people are still playing through it, but I'll just say that that game was worth the wait. Definitely way better than I was ever anticipating or expecting. Um, it exceeded expectations. And yeah, I think a lot were. of that has to do with uh, the music in that game. is just It elevates that game beyond anything we could have imagined. 
uh, potentially even better than the original soundtrack almost in some instances, I think. Yeah, I mean, you uh, were so enamored with that game. I was, it was unbelievable, like, the amount of heaping praise you were just throwing. I, it was it was not, not shocking, but it just tell, spoke to the quality of the game itself. I mean, even for myself, I mean, I'm not the biggest Final Fantasy VII kid growing up. I loved Final Fantasy, the series, but for, for whatever reason, Seven on PlayStation 1 when it hit. Like, I bought it day one, I played through it, I jammed through it, I grinded like hell for, like, two discs worth, and then I just left off on it. And I never, you know, it's been 20, whatever, 30 years, and I just, I haven't got back to it. I'm in the middle of that game somewhere, like, do you feel, Pete, that that experience of having played through the remake now and comparing it to the original experience, which you're intimately familiar with, like, is that something where you would recommend, like, like say someone for me, right, who just didn't take the time to finish it back then, or, you know, or maybe just casually played. just sort of appreciate it. Yeah, or you never played it. Like, would you recommend that over the original Without at this point? spoiling anything, um, I would say do not play this without having played the original. Ah, actually. interesting. Yeah. Uh, I won't give the reasons why that is, but after you play it, You'll probably realize why that is. Um, like, can you play this without playing the original? Yes, but you will be slightly confused and probably won't appreciate it quite as much. Wow. Actually, you'll, you'll be very confused. Um, hmm. But you'll figure that out when you play it yourself. Was very there no nice. like recap at the beginning of the game to kind of catch people up, or they chose to uh, leave that it, off? It's so the way that they handle this game, it is you know, it is the Final Fantasy VII that you would remember and love, you know, it pretty much just takes the original and the original section of Midgar and translates it into a modern game. It's not, I can't, I can't delve into this too much, but, um, <laughs> let's just say that, you know, it, it's accurate to the original game to an extent, but the, the parts where it will deviate will confuse the heck out of you. If you didn't play the original, I know that's a little confusing, but the parts where it changes certain aspects of, you know, how the, how it interprets the original game will be very hard to understand for people that never played the original. Wow. The way you're describing that, I kind of wish Fantasy Star 2 would do something along those lines, like to be able to experience it, but also in like a different way, but retain something close to the original. I, it sounds like such a fascinating process or method that they decided to go with that remake so i guess i'll have to go back and finish uh the original one i'll have to yeah, get that memory card and go or at least like even if you have no intentions of replaying it like at least familiarize yourself by maybe watching uh, a story playthrough where you just like watch the cutscenes or something like oh, you definitely Pete want Dor to did you know. just recommend me to go through a blind <laughs> playthrough of a game on youtube come on yeah because i know you'll never finish it <laughs> damn it i might do it you never know <laughs> Um, like, well, my, my relationship with Final Fantasy VII, it's not like I'm this hardcore purist fan of the original. It's, it's a very important game to me because it was really the first, like, real RPG after Pokemon that I played, uh, that kind of, like, introduced me to the genre mm -hmm. when I was really young. So the game means a lot to me. Uh, I haven't played the game from start to finish in who knows how long. But it was still really neat to... Like, I couldn't pick up all the nuances. Like, I watched hardcore fans play it. And they're like, oh my god, they still have that NPC in the original spot. And oh, <laughs> that tunnel matches the exact same way that the original game did. And I'm like, I'm glad they can pick up on all these things. <laughs> because I sure as hell don't remember that. Um, so for those fans, this game must have been an insane experience. And it's a little bit of a controversial game. Because, you know, not spoiling anything. But the ending is certainly uh, something. And it, it is conjured up a lot of discussion and the only thing we'll say is the second game is going to be fascinating with uh, what they decide to do with it. 
based on the pace that they're going, how many do you anticipate? I mean, you know, where the game ended relative to where it was in the original game. Like, how many real episodes do you think that they're going to draw this out for or release for it? You said five, I, could, I believe, in stream, right? Which is unbelievable. I could see them to doing. Me. Well, I don't remember. Uh, maybe I did. I, I could see them do, after the ending. I could see them potentially doing it in two. Realistically, though, it's probably going to be three. Three. Hmm. But after the ending, uh, it's a little hard to know. It's a little hard to know. Interesting. Sure. Now, now you're you're piquing my interest more now to mm-hmm. try both. I mean, I have I have it. I just there's, there's no way I'm going to touch it until I finish the first one. Now at this point, based on what you said, so thanks for the thanks for the heads up there. But that's about it for me. Just Final Fantasy VII for the <laughs> most part being the main thing recently. So just to recap for everyone out there, Foots, Animal Crossing, Pete, Final Fantasy VII Remake, Brunch, Hates, Link's Awakening. <laughs> so everyone gets that. Uh, really quick for myself. I mean, it's really, you know, just the, the normal. I mean, I'm trying to maintain my once a week stream based on scheduling. I mean, it's crazy during this time where I'm working even more hours. So it's actually leaving less time for stream. But obviously trying to still delve into a lot of, um, you know, a lot of the handheld stuff, a lot of the janker Game Boy, Game Boy Advance games. Funny enough, I played this Jimmy Neutron game that was a side-scrolling platforming game with like abilities that you would gain from items that you would invent I, I, I don't know just really quick thing shout out for that Jimmy Neutron game for the Game Boy Advance pretty pretty interesting I, I feel some of some of you platforming flan, some of you side scrolling platforming fans with almost not Metroidvania but definitely some interesting item upgrades that one's worth going but the other thing I was really diving into I'm starting to jump into PAL uh, re, I'm starting to jump into some PAL libraries for certain systems I'm starting out with the Sega Master System because it is one of the more fruitful ones that can bear out some game picks so doing a lot of research into Sega Master System PAL stuff and it's just it's crazy it's a crazy world one not only to see like how many of those games did not come out for the US side of things right there's just such a it was so much more popular in every other part of the world that there's so many different games to choose from and then you know you, a lot of times you'll see there'll be ports of like old PC games or I, they may exist already as a Game Gear down port as well but it's fascinating to kind of dig through that and, and jump into that library so I streamed a bunch of these PAL exclusive games for the Sega Master System. And it's fascinating because, you know, I, I generally do try to, you know, pick out games that I heard of or at least remembered seeing as I was growing up and, and kind of streaming those as blind. But these are 100% completely, I have no idea what the hell is going to go on the minute I pop in this game. And that feeling of a completely blind new experience of an old new game is, is really awesome. I went through a couple of them last night, but uh, Sega Master System PAL st- and just a note for anyone out there, the real stream, the real hardware streamers out there for you guys here, obviously on the team, don't mess with PAL Sega Master System. It's such a confounding series of BS roadblocks to get those games to play properly. Like one, like you, it used to be a simple thing where you just assume, okay, PAL runs at 50 hertz, so then you got to account for the speed thing. Now you got like region lockout on some games. You have weird games that were you know sped up to accommodate 50 hertz so then when you play them on 60 hertz they're double fast and then you have the normal issue of playing games that are too slow like the amount of things you have to account for for sega master system pal is a nightmare (laughs) would it work if you just slapped it in the mega sg adapter I, I've heard someone did say that if the if you pop it into Mega SG, it accounts for these things. I mean, I, I I should actually probably just bust mine out and take a look because you know I wanted to play it on the original either the uh, an original Sega Master System unit or Genesis unit with the power base converter. So I probably made things one hundred times harder for myself than I could have. So I have heard that the Mega SG should account for those things. I don't know myself personally, so I couldn't tell you that. But please, one of you guys try and let me know because if that's the case, it might be the better way to handle it. I, I I've just already had my headaches with the Amiga CD thirty two. That fucking <laughs> 
joking. Yeah, you've had PAL issues a lot too. That Please thing, like, <laughs> that, it's just impossible to get all the games because not only do you have to account for the console, but then you got to account for different to get different regions because yeah. some games are US, some games are PAL, and they won't run correctly depending on the system you have. Is yeah, it? it's the same nightmare. It's even it's like tenfold on the Sega Master System. Like I tried to I tried to quickly mod my console right before I I tried to stream to give it like a fifty hertz setting, so then it would the music would be you know you know it would play properly because otherwise it would be super sped up and then I like almost destroyed that Sega Master System and <laughs> it was it was a hot mess. So, but that's a, it's interesting. It's interesting to dive into that PAL world because you know I, I know Peter, I've asked you to to do you know get your take on a lot of these power research because i know you did a ton of power research especially on the playstation one and two side of things so it's cool to see just you know it's cool to just dive into games where you literally uh, even for it's almost like you feel more i feel feel more familiar with japanese import scene because i've been researching that for many years but pal is like brand new to me now yeah it's unbelievable i'm just sitting here laughing and you appear yeah but you're no help to me regards this pal stuff you're supposed to be my pal go-to girl you're not helping me at all i don't know how that works for you guys i just turn on my you're like i don't care i just pop in my games and they work fine i don't care what you're talking about Oh, cool stuff. But nope. Uh, so yeah, that's my screen. Uh, brunch, you're not going to rail on Link's Awakening anymore? Foots no, no, no. no listen, there's my final thought on Link's Awakening. Great <laughs> game. No, it's really an excellent game. Excellent music. I love the varied gameplay. I love the new elements, the new puzzle elements they put in. Great. Where it broke down for me is that I had to traverse that very last quote-unquote dungeon without having the directions that I needed to go, and you need a particular item in order to do that, and without even knowing that exi- that item existed or where to find it, you it kind of just... I, I swear I had no you idea. Knew. You got okay. I'm gonna chat, tell you right now. I, I, chat told I, me. I walked, and that's the only reason I, I looked I, through I the vod and I I tried to pinpoint the exact moment where your love for Link's Awakening went from extreme hundred percent love to one hundred percent. I hate this. I want to burn it. I want to melt it down. It is because you got distracted in the middle of the item swap game. I'm telling you, you were on track. You were totally focused and on track for that item swap thing to get to the item you needed. You got distracted by chat and it was gone. Like you never even put a second thought into that thing until the very uh, end. Bovine's uh, playing, playing judge, lawyer, and executioner for this. This one I am because I. You tried to say it's like you. You tried to say that oh the way this is designed, this is terrible. And, and I saw your, of course I saw your point to it. But I went back to see where you lost track of it. And I think if one person had not said something to sidetrack you you would have been focused you would have got it and it would have all worked out and you would have loved the game that, that, so uh, that's all I'm what I'm say. hearing is stop streaming games and just play them off <laughs> the stop streaming your stop streaming your most you know look forward to games that's all I'm, I'm going to suggest right. here because it may ruin your experience <laughs> alright thank you I appreciate the uh, <laughs> looking out for me always watching your back bud <laughs> except for that one time where last last episode of uh, RGE I believe it was you suggested that Home on the Range GBA game and this Jimmy Neutron sounds very like, fami- like, similar I'm to that situation I'm not Jimmy getting Neutron, Jimmy Neutron Jimmy Neutron slightly better than, than Home on the Range okay, <laughs> slightly better is still better. not good enough to get it <laughs> it's like four dollars just buy it already okay <laughs> Uh, all right. Any more last thoughts? So, other uh, any more last thoughts from anyone on the team? I think we're I think we're good. I'm good. I think I've covered everything. Glad that we got together again to record. So it was great to hear updates always, from everyone. Always a lot of fun. Yeah. 
All right. So with that, uh, as always, you guys can go ahead and make sure you check out our main page for Retro Game Explorers. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes, and you can also go visit our Twitch team page, which is twitch.tv slash team slash Retro Game Explorers. And then you can find links to all of our individual stream page channels there, or you can visit each of us individually there. So please, uh, again, just want to say thanks again to the team. Hopefully, uh, we'll all be talking again and recording very soon. So thanks a lot to all the fans out there who took the time to download and listen and check out the podcast episode. Always appreciate the support from everyone who takes the time to give us some feedback within our streams or on the pages themselves. Always, always welcome. Always appreciated. And thank you all for listening. And with that, we'll be signing off for now. Thank you very much for listening. Take care.